If there's not conviction, I'm not doing my job. If there's not conviction, I'm not hearing from God. But whenever I hear from God and whenever God's word is preached, it brings conviction to our hearts. It doesn't destroy us. Conviction is something wonderful. It gives life to us. It gets us going in the right direction. It empowers us. Condemnation has a way of stealing away our confidence, of stealing away our joy, of stealing away our hope, and of stealing away our peace. And so today, my prayer for you is that, and and every Sunday that we share a message with you, is that we will not accept the condemnation of the enemy because we know that condemnation comes from him. We know that conviction comes from God and conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. So as we look at at our past and as we look at some of the mistakes that we made or some of the choices that we've made that brought pain, we have an assurance that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when we repent of those things, God is for us. God's for us. He's not against us. God's on our side, okay? We're starting a new series. As we finished up the three-week series on the rites of passage, we're going to be talking for three weeks about the family. The title of our series is Family, Blessed and Broken. The family is both blessed and broken. And if you want to take your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. But here's something I want you to understand. The family or marriage was the first institution that God established. As much as God loves the church, the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Jesus died for the church. However, as much as God loves the church, the first institution that God established, the building block of all society is the family. If you want to build strong young men and women, if you want to build a strong community, if you want to build a strong nation, if you want to build a strong society, then build strong families. The quickest way to destroy those same things is to undermine the family. The quickest way to destroy society is to undermine families. Now we need to understand that there is an attack on your family. You need to understand it. Satan does not want you and your husband, you and your wife, you and your children to get along. He loves to come and put division in families to cause problems and heartaches in families. He doesn't want your family to grow up intact. He doesn't want your children to have a God-fearing mom, a God-fearing dad. And as we look back, I listened to Dr. James Dobson with Focus, remember Focus on the Family? And I hear a lot of the things that he addressed in my mind like 25 years ago. The things that he would write about and the things that he would say. James Dobson is from his background, I believe, is a church in the Nazarene. And I never thought of him as being a real prophetic guy. Because you think of prophetic people as, I don't know, pulling things out of the air and saying, Oh, so the Lord. And he wasn't like that. But he's a prophet. If you listen to what he has said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and showed him things that were happening in advance, what was taking place, the wiles of the devil, Satan's schemes, and he spoke about them years before to try to fight against those things. As we say that, I want to start at the beginning. You've heard the story of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 It says this, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
so that it may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. Everybody say his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for you, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Up until this point, when God finished his day's work, he would look at what he did. His reply would be, it is good. However, on the sixth day, after God made man and woman, God looked at it and he said, it's very good. There's a distinct difference. You look at the fish of the sea, you go to the aquarium and you see all of these unique and beautiful fish all these tropical fish and all these different colors and shapes and sizes, you're like, I think that's pretty cool. If you ever go and see Niagara Falls, or if you've ever seen the Grand Canyon, or if you've seen the beautiful mountains, or if you've been to an island like the Bahamas or Bermuda, and you see the beaches, you're like, that's really good. That's beautiful. Whenever God made man and woman, when he was finished, he said, It's very good. Why? Because man was the only part of creation that was created in the image and the likeness of God. God created distinctly different. God's intention was not and never will be for two men or for two women to be married. It doesn't matter what President Obama or any court says. You know, in his recent State of the Union address, he kept addressing gay marriage. It doesn't matter what he says, what any Supreme Court, what any state court, it doesn't matter what they say. I don't care what any church denomination who misrepresents the word of God. God's intention from the beginning was for one man and one woman for a lifetime. Why? Because God designed and gifted each male and female, each with certain characteristics and qualities that are necessary to produce godly offspring. Not just to produce offspring, but to produce godly offspring. There are certain characteristics that God innately placed inside of a man. And there are certain characteristics that God innately placed inside of a woman that children need to grow up and be healthy and whole. God designed us that way. The first thing that God did after creating them was the scripture says that he was to bless them. God blessed the family. God blessed the union. At the end of the day, the, thing, after the first thing God did is he blessed them. And we're going to talk about that at the end. At the end of our message, I'm going to have statistics that will prove to you 
that God has blessed the family, that God has blessed the marriage. Do you know the first thing, the first command that God tells them to do? What was their first command? He says, be fruitful and multiply. What did God tell them to do? He said, be fruitful. How were they going to be fruitful? You know how they were going to be fruitful. That was God's first command to them. God's first command to them was be fruitful and multiply. God said to them to have sex. The world has told our children, I wish our teenagers were here for this part. The world has told our children that sex is Satan's idea. It's not his idea. It was God's idea. It was God's design. Satan didn't have anything to do with it. It's God's. God could have created people the incredible way that God creates our bodies, the incredible way that God creates our eyes, all of the, uh, the way that he creates our brain. And scientists are just now discovering, you know, they think that they know a lot. And in 20 years, they're going to find out that they know nothing compared to what they know 20 years from now. Even in man's greatest day, they'll never be able to understand all that God has done to design the human body, the way it, it fixes itself. Laura had a, if I, you don't mind, Laura, we just talked this week, Laura had a blockage in her heart. And here's the thing. There's a blockage in her heart. Do you realize that the heart, even with the blockage there, will create new veins? And know what the doctor said? It'll naturally bypass that blockage and create new veins. It'll create new veins within the heart and come back in and connect again. Isn't that incredible? Man doesn't do that. God does that. God created us fearfully and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so sex was God's idea. God made it pleasurable for people. But it's designed for this. It's designed for in the relationship between one man and one woman for a lifetime. That is God's design. In fact, the Bible says when God looked at man, now he gave man a job. Man was to name the animals. Man was to watch over the garden and to tend to it. So he had a job and he had a creative mind. But God looks at man and he says, wait a minute. And he even has fellowship with God. In the cool of the day, God would come and talk to him. The scripture tells us. But even with this perfect fellowship with God, even with this brilliant mind, even with living in a place of paradise, even having a job to do of maintaining or overseeing and tending the garden, God looks at him and he says, even with all of that, it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to give him a helper, a helpmate that is suitable for him. And so the scripture goes in to say in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20, It says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man will leave his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. They become one flesh. God's intention from the beginning was that the two would become one flesh. That was God's intention. That they no longer be two, but they be one. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verse 6. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. 
And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and he be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Those are Jesus's words. That once a man and a woman come together in marriage, Jesus's words is what God has joined together. Let no one separate. I want to encourage you today to value and fight for your family, to fight for your marriage, because God has blessed marriage. Listen, you may say, what, pastor, you don't know what I live with. You don't know him. You don't know her. God has blessed marriage. Whenever he created them and he created the covenant of marriage, God blessed it. And he said, it's very good. He says, it's not good for you to be alone. God has blessed marriage and godly men and women value what God is blessing. We want to find out, God, what are you blessing? What do you value, God? Because that's what I want to value. You may say, I don't feel very blessed. You may say, I don't need her. I don't need him. My understanding of scripture is this. Two biblical reasons for divorce. Adultery and abandonment. Well, we argue. That's not a reason for the divorce. That's a reason to learn how to get along. Well, we don't get along. Well, you'd better learn. Well, we're not in love. Well, you need to learn how to fall back in love. Why? Because what God has joined together, don't let man pull asunder. The two become one. You don't just, you know, there's, it's just not a connection where you, your lives become entwined as one. You can't separate that without destroying both. You may say, well, no, we survived. There's a destruction that takes place. The feminist movement and our society has been feeding a lie to people for years. It says, I don't need no man. You don't need him. I don't need, you know, and guys believe I don't need her. Yes, you do. God created you to be in relationship with your wife. Until the day you die, he created you to be in relationship with her. You may want to kill him, but until the day he dies, God created you. He designed you to be in relationship with him. Here's the thing. The feminist movement wants to tell us that you don't need a man, that you can do just as good. You can do just as good without them. Unfortunately, the statistics prove that to be a lie. And they prove God's word to be true. The statistics I'll share with you will prove to you that God has blessed marriage. This is not, once again, this is not to condemn anybody. We're looking forward from this point. You say, pastor, I can't help what happened in my past. That's right. What's done is done. We can't undo. Once you ring the bell, you can't undo that. Okay. But going forward, all right, as we go forward, we're going to learn, we're going to grow. So as we go forward, what are the statistics? Here's statistics that's going to show you that God has blessed marriage. Why? Because we're going to see what takes place whenever marriage is not there. Here's some statistics. I have two pages of them. You may get bored. I took some away and I brought others back. Children of divorced parents are four times more likely to report relational problems with peers and friends than children whose parents have kept their marriage intact. 
four times more likely to have relational problems. They tend to be more aggressive towards others, especially in the case of boys. Adult children of divorce are almost twice as likely to commit suicide. Twice as likely to commit suicide than adult children from intact homes. The high school dropout rate is roughly two times higher than children who are living with parents who did not divorce. Between children of divorced parents, there are relatively more cases of injury, asthma, headaches, and speech defects than among children whose parents have remained married. I'm like, what? Children of divorced parents are 50% more likely to develop health problems than children in a two-parent family. Children that are living with both biological parents are 20 to 35% physically healthier than children from broken homes. A child in a female-headed home is 10 times, hear this, 10 times more likely to be physically hurt or murdered. What? It's 10 times more likely, 10 times, you hear that? To be physically hurt or murdered, 10 times more likely. That blew my mind. A study was done of children from which the parents were divorced six years earlier. Ah, children, are re, we say they're resilient. They jump back. The study found out that even after all that time, these children tended to be lonely, unhappy, anxious, and insecure. Want to send your kids to prison? 70% of long-term in prison inmates grew up in broken homes. Here's a good one. Moms and dads with daughters. Daughters of single parents without a father involved are 53% more likely to marry as teenagers. This one blew my mind. 711% more likely to have children as teenagers, which then in turn leads to poverty. 711% more likely to have children as teenagers. 164% more likely to have premarital birth and 92% more likely to get divorced themselves. 92% more likely. Sir, your wife can't do it on her own. Feminist who says, moms and dads, you're both needed in this family. What is it again? The marriage is blessed. God has blessed marriage. Next week, we're going to talk about marriage being broken, families being broken, but God's blessed marriage. All you got to do is just read the statistics. You may say, well, no, man, it kind of stinks. No, I'm just telling you, God has blessed it. The statistics don't lie. Here's some more. 63% of youth suicides, the ones who succeed, 63% of the ones who succeed are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 85%. Hmm. If you're looking to raise a rapist, you have an 80% chance. This stuff ticks me off because people don't understand what they're doing. You believe a lie that says, no, God's word doesn't work. It doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. You can't control all the things that have taken place in your life. But as we go forward, that's what we're talking about. So there's no condemnation. But as we move forward, everybody hear that? You want to raise a good rapist? 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 
80%, 14 times the average. Children who live absent their biological fathers are on average at least two to three times more likely to be poor. Two to three times more likely to be poor. Doesn't sound like a blessing. God has blessed marriage. God has blessed the family. If you don't believe me, children who grow up without their biological father are at le- on average at least two to three times more likely to be poor, to use drugs, to experience educational, health, emotional, and behavioral problems, to be victims of child abuse. If you're a person who looks at statistics, victims of child abuse and to engage and criminal behavior than their peers who live with their married, biological, or adoptive parents. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Here's another one. 90% of adolescent repeat arsonists live with only their mother. 90% of repeat adolescent arsonists live with only their, their mother. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless families. 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from from fatherless family. Uh, One study in Georgia of a jail, 85% of them grew up without their dad in their lives. A father factor in education. Listen to this. Children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. So, Dad, just you being there and engaged in your life, you give your kid a 40% better chance of not failing school. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. Compared to living with both parents, living in a single-parent home doubles the risk that a child will suffer physical, emotional, or educational neglect. Adolescent girls raised in a two-parent home with involved fathers are significantly less likely to be sexually active than girls raised without involved fathers. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. Fatherless boys and girls, there's different surveys. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. Children with involved, loving families are significantly more likely to do well in school, have a healthy self-esteem, exhibit empathy and pro-social behavior, and avoid high-risk behaviors such as drug use, truancy, criminal activity compared with children who have uninvolved fathers. Studies on parent-child relationships with child well-being show that a father's love is an important factor in predicting the social, emotional, and cognitive development and functioning of children and young adults. I know that's a lot of statistics and a lot of things. It just says what God's Word says, that God blesses marriage. And God blesses the family. You may say, well, I don't feel very blessed. All you have to do is look at the statistics of what happens when it's not there. That's all you got to do. You don't have to believe me, but statistics prove God's word to be true. Even the statistics prove God's word to be true. Now, we don't base our beliefs upon what the statistics say, but it's incredible when, what they tell us. And so what do we do moving forward? We recognize that families, this week in this series, families are both blessed and broken. 
blessed by God. And yet we live in a fallen world. Because they're blessed by God, you and I have hope. Because they're blessed by God, you and I have a future. God has the ability to turn around situations that seemed impossible. God is a redeeming God. But God forbid that you and I take lightly his commands. God forbid that you and I disregard what he says. Whatsoever a man sows, so shall he reap. Don't be deceived. As we look ahead, this is what I want to encourage you. Don't believe what the world is telling you. Moms and dads, your kids need you. Society needs you. This church needs you. Our nation needs you. If you're going to work on something, don't work on your hobbies. It's nice that you have hobbies and good things like that. Don't spend all your time working on your job. You got to work your job. You got to take care of your family. There's a limit to that. I want to encourage you to work on, invest your time in what God is blessing. And God's blessing families. He did it from the beginning and he's doing it now. And whenever you and I turn our hearts over to him and we ask him, God, will you intervene in my situation? Lord, will you intervene in my circumstances? God has the ability to reach his hand down and take impossible situations, impossible situations. When man looks at him and they say, it is, there's nothing good coming out of there. God has the ability to do above and beyond what you and I can ask or think. But I want you to know today, he's blessing families. He's blessing marriage. And that's why we value it. That's why we fight for it. If I can just throw things away, I don't have to take care of it. If I can just get another one. one The nice things about not having a whole lot of money is you learn to take care of what you get when you're a kid. You grow up, you take care of stuff. You don't just beat it around. You don't just abuse it. You don't neglect it. You take care of it because you know that you can't just replace it like that. Sometimes people have the mentality that they've been able to replace anything and they don't have to take care of it. So today, I want to encourage you. Take care of your family. Take care of your marriage. Take care of your children. Take care of your home. And the reality of it is, is when we made that commitment, it's till death do us part. That's what God's word says. If anyone who's been married any length of time can tell you there's times that you don't get what you want. There's times that you feel taken advantage of. There's times in which you feel neglected. There's times in which you feel like, hey, I'm giving more than everybody else. And there's times you may be. But when you understand, when I watch old people who have lived their whole life together, and you see an old guy who can't hardly walk, taking care of his elderly wife, or you see him coming into the convalescent home every day to see her, It kind of shows you what love is. Love is not just you feeling good at this moment. I'm going to tell you this too. What we blame the other people for is usually what we are. If you don't hear anything else, you need to hear that. What we blame everybody else for being. I know a person, he always thought the people who worked for him were thieves. Do you know why? Because he was a stinking thief. And he always thought that everyone was stealing from him. They weren't stealing from him. He, that's what he did. Well, they probably were. There were probably some. But that's what he used to do. That's how he built his business. He would cheat and steal. And so he thought everybody else is a thief. And so whenever you're thinking that they're this or they're that, 
why don't you just ask God, Lord, just show me. And God, would you bless my home? Would you protect my home? Would you protect my family? Father, I thank you for the chance that we had today to look at families. Lord, we're both blessed and broken. From the very beginning, as we're going to study next week, Adam and Eve, their two sons kill one another. We see the frailties of our humanity. We see the frailties. We see the hurt that's in our lives at times and the lack that people feel and the pain that's very real. We ask you today, Lord, that you would turn the heart of the father to their children and the children to their father. Lest you strike the nation with a curse, Lord. God, I pray that you would turn the heart of the husband, the heart of the wife, away from hardness. Lord, the Bible says that Jesus said that the reason Moses permitted a certificate of divorce was because of the hardness of man's heart. And we pray, God, that in every marriage here, in every family here, that you would protect us from having hard hearts and that you would soften our hearts towards one another. I thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation in this room today. I thank you that you don't accuse us or point a finger at us, but you do direct us in a way that will lead to life. And I ask that you would do that today, Lord. I pray that you would point us in a way that would lead to life that would last in Jesus' name, amen.